The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world with a head bigger than Bruce Bochy. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And it's almost New Year's. It really is. Uh, Jake, we are about to, to set the stage. First of all, it's nice to see you. I know we haven't Hello. recorded a podcast together in quite some time. We are making sure that we can do that because it will be another uh, length of time before we get to re- record another podcast again. But as you mentioned, it is indeed New Year's right around the corner. And 10 years ago, Jake, we recorded a podcast together and you were in Australia. It was the OG version of the Barbacast coming up on New Year's 2014. Now we are coming up on 2024. You were in Australia again by happenstance for very different reasons. I do it every 10. I do it every 10. I do it every 10. No big deal. All right. So looking forward to, uh, I guess, this could be big. I mean, 2033, we'll be filling out our Hall of Fame ballots and you'll be over there in Perth, sounds like. I can't wait to vote for Liam Hendricks on my Hall of Fame ballot live from Australia. Yes, I am down under here on vacation, uh, seeing the sights, looking at every single animal that's just trying to kill me. Uh, it's quite a place here. And and my big takeaway so far, so I'm a little under the weather right now, which people down here describe that as, as crook. Have you heard this hmm. before? No, um, no, we're, we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot here again. You know, we've we've learned a lot from producer Chris, who, as far as we know, is also in Australia, but not with you. <laughs> no, not with me. But crook, people are like, oh man, I'm crook, like I'm sick, Ooh, and okay. and that made me think about the crook list <laughs> in baseball. What, tell, oh, oh <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. That's that's a little that's a little different, but but see again, like what you're saying is a different. I mean, we don't have a list. I mean, has have, do people go on the IL for being sick? I, I guess that you, it was the you COVID IL hit dude. the ten day for being sick. The sniffle list. I the- do like this. <laughs> I do. I, I I am in favor of like a flu-like symptoms list. Again, yeah. we had the COVID list, obviously. Yeah, but, but you know when you different. go somewhere, when you go somewhere, you want to you want to you know leave nothing but footprints and take nothing but photographs. But I am mm-hmm. going to take the word crook with me in that context <laughs> and bring it with me back to the United States of America. But that's enough about me. Yeah. In well, down I under. Did... Do you have any other questions? Well, yeah. I mean, is is the. <laughs> You can't call Australia an island, right? It's too big. I mean, it is an island, but I can't be like, oh, I was about to ask a question about like something that's going on on the island, but it's pretty big. So yeah. Call it that. <laughs> so uh, I will say I've been underwhelmed by the amount of baseball that okay, I have well, seen I was, that was floating be my question, but yeah. in space around here. We chat about this a lot, just how much baseball do you interact with in a given space? And here it has been nothing save for the token danish yankee hat Mm, oh like tourist yankee hat yeah Yeah. um and we got we actually got an email uh recently from zach i believe about just like funniest hats you can see abroad 
Um, because again, just normally Yankees, like what combination of places again, it's, it's so easy because like so many parts of the world are unfamiliar with baseball as you are going to learn uh, next week on a special episode. Um, but, but you know, there's, so there's no, I mean, you could do it forever. I mean, you pull up, you know, uh, see a, a, a Quad Cities river bandits hat in Eswatini. Like how, what combination do you want? It's all going to be funny. <laughs> but there's, I think of the 30 MLB hats. Oh, there okay, are yeah. some that are like, this is more about hats than it is yep. about the world, right? Agreed. Like the Cincinnati Reds mm-hmm. don't mean anything to the people of Australia, particularly, right? No offense. But the block, <laughs> but like the, the that C on the red hat has more cachet than the Astros hat does, right? Mm-hmm. And as a result, I think that like, if the Yankees hat is one, what's 30? Ooh, what's 30? I mean, it's probably, I was about to say it's the Rockies, but, you know, we've seen Cristiano Ronaldo wear the CR just because he happens to have those initials. So <laughs> that single image of him wearing a Rockies hat probably makes it not 30, but I still would lean towards an expansion team. Honestly, man, I think the D-backs <laughs> are a pretty strong contender too. I think it's the Brewers because okay, you see, or the Twins, you see like D-backs hats and you, because they're new and they have weird colors. Oh, and I like, guess like the purple. Yeah. Okay. And sure. you have the, like the snake biting into the ball logo. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I can't just imagine seeing a Brewers hat. Oh, mm. the Royals are another really strong pick, I think. Right. The letters like the, that do not stand out in any sort of uh significant way yeah i think that's i think that's fair again like i i maintain that you could really combine most any non-yankees hat you see in the public uh, or even dodgers you know red Sox, i guess is gonna it's gonna catch your attention um but my question the the question i had was is that is the island buzzing about greg bird you aware that Greg Bird is currently yes. just torching the Australian Baseball League? I believe he has eight home runs in like 25 games. Um, I don't know if this is part of some sort of like comeback attempt. I don't know if this is like his one last hurrah. Like I want to go out like hitting homers and then hang them up. I don't really know how this happened, but I, I've been seeing some Greg Bird home runs down under. I, I don't know if you've been hearing a lot of discussion about that. It's everywhere you go. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's everywhere you go. Uh so I'm down here with my fiance and her family. And one of the things that we've noticed about this country is that the birds are loud because mm-hmm. we as yeah. Americans are used to a certain noise and tone of bird song, right? That has just become the background music of our lives here. It's just completely different shit because we're so far away from anything like I it's just everything sounds funny and loud and <laughs> So yes, the, are the birds loud here? Yes, the bird, yes. the bird okay. loud. Bird is making an impact on your bird experience. making, bird making impact on Jake's trip to Australia. Got yes, got it. Wonderful. All right, so now we turn our attention back to <laughs> to this side of the world, this uh, hemisphere, and and all that it entails. And fortunately, Jake, since you've departed uh, North America for a land far, far away, you have you have not missed a whole lot. 
and which means that we haven't had to worry about, oh, well, how are we? No, we haven't missed a whole lot, but we do have some moves that we're going to get into. Mariners signed Mitch Garver. We're gonna, Blue Jays made some moves. We're going to get to all those, but I kind of wanted to do some big picture, just zoom out of like, wh- where are we at here? Because as I look at this offseason, we, we are now entering uh, chapter four, right? We had chapter one, Juan Soto is going to get traded. Okay. Chapter two, Shohei Otani needs to find a baseball team, and he did. And then chapter three was Yamamoto, who joins him in Los Angeles. Now, those are three. Let's not like act like those are not gigantic seismic events in the baseball industry, because they are, right? So all of our complaints about the offseason being boring, which I think are valid, which we can get into, those are big freaking deals, right? But as far as the rest of the offseason is going, like we haven't really done much else. There really has not been a lot else going on. And that is helped on by the fact that Otani signed with the most likely team and yep. Juan, Soto, Juan Soto was traded to the most likely team yep. and Yamamoto joined a team that had already signed a big star in Otani mm-hmm. and Aaron Nola, who was one of the top pitchers, just went back to the Phillies. And yep. so we haven't had new face on new team that isn't a cultural juggernaut we have not had like the trey turner on the phillies or the bogarts to the padres or the javi Baez to the tigers which was a great move um (laughs) but we're still kind of waiting for that first like oh and i don't want to downplay like yamamoto on the dodgers is a huge freaking deal like that is a big deal otani is a big deal soto's a big deal Those three things are, like you said, they are very seismic. But now we are wandering into the unknown of the offseason in a way where we have had the big dominoes fall. And while the small dominoes are not as interesting necessarily, where they land might be. Yeah. And they're still they're still pretty sizable size. I mean, these are not tiny dominoes. These are at least I mean, listen, I know, again, when when you're comparing it to the greatest region of all time, it's like, what do you get? And and the highest pitching contract of all time. Okay, what are you going to do? And Juan Soto, one of the greatest hitters through age 25 ever, like, okay, fine. Those are huge. Those are not going to be matched. But these are these are pretty big, big names that we still have available, and there's and there's so many of them left. But to your point, we just haven't seen anything unexpected, right? Jung Hoo Lee to the Giants is is maybe the the one that stands out as interesting, but we knew he was going to be on a new team because he was coming to MLB. You know, Erod to the D backs is nice, but other than that, it's been nothing. It's been nothing, right? So even Sonny Gray to the Cardinals was like, yeah, duh. You know, that, that that didn't didn't exactly, you know, you know, knock my socks off in any sort of real way. So as we enter into this next stage, like, again, we still got the, the four big Boris clients are still sitting out there and Bellinger, and Matt Chapman and Snell and Jordan Montgomery and our dear friend Reese Hoskins still out there. Josh Hader. We're now at the point in the offseason. We're just recycling the same rumors we started the offseason with about Edwin. Oh, he wants more money than Diaz. OK. All right. Cool. Sounds good. <laughs> but like Josh Hader, when he signs, that will be because we know he's not going back to the Padres and I don't think he's going back to the Brewers. So like the Hader signing will will feel, I feel like a big deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just hard to know which one is coming next. Let's talk about Hader for a second, because it is a very fascinating kind of player. I mean, he has solidified himself as one of the most dominant closers of the 21st century. I think because of how he burst onto our memories by throwing multiple innings at a time and then having his uh, moment. How would you describe this? His moment in the sun at the all-star game in DC. Like he is not that multi-inning reliever anymore. 
he is no, a boring one inning closer, right? Like that's what yeah. he is now. He's not thrown multiple innings in the regular season for a long time. Now you mentioned he's not going to be on the Padres and he's not going to be in the Brewers. So in your mind, from a neutral perspective, what is an interesting place for him to go? What is a compelling outcome for you, for Josh Hader? Yeah, I mean, again, like when you're talking about the, <laughs> there's only so many teams that are going to be willing to spend that much on a reliever. And it is some of the teams we've already talked about, like the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Rangers were an obvious one that you, th- that you think of in terms of like, they need to patch some shit up. Although you could also see the Rangers saying, we're not going to, seems like they are scaling back to some degree this winter. I would be hard to believe that that would be their one big contract that they would hang out, hand out. I think for the Dodgers or the Yankees to have a high price closer is to is to put a lot of eggs in a basket that can so quickly make your fan base drive your fan base crazy. And like Josh Hader has been amazing and he is also not that long ago been not as amazing. I mean, the dude had a 70 ERA over the final 20 games for the Padres. Now we knew that he wasn't that bad because we saw what he did this year, but like He's still flammable, man. Like, I still would be horrified to give it. We talk about Snell. I mean, would you rather give Josh Hader $100 million? Like, that seems absurd, too. But such is the nature when you're talking about a closer that has, as you said, he he is one of the best that we've ever seen. And I think that eventually some owner will say, fuck it. I need that guy. So the Dodgers and Yankees feel unlikely. They do. Right? Hard to find anyone else, though. Uh, that's exactly my point because <laughs> the next level of desperation yeah. now because right Soto went to the Yankees and we had two guys go to the Dodgers there are all these teams in the middle ground the Giants the Red Sox the Blue Jays who are the fan bases are hungry they are chomping right they need food and a hater does not feel like a fit for the Red Sox like Craig no. Breslow <laughs> it does not they still have like Henley anyway they still have Kenley and like Craig Breslow's thing, it seems like, is that he's going to just start churning out random relievers mm-hmm. like he did with the Cubs. That just feels like a thing the Red Sox are going to start being good at. And I can't imagine them paying Hater all that money. The Blue Jays have Jordan Romano kind of solidified in that ninth yeah. inning spot. And the Giants have Camilo Doval, right, who is the closest thing at least like physically to Josh Hader in a weird way where it's like the baseball is coming at you from the side at obscene speeds. I just, it's very hard to envision a landing spot for Hader right now. Well, and and when you could, when you zoom out and the giants, I think are such a giants and Red Sox. We've talked about the parallels with them. Like, I would be stunned if the giants do not end up with one of the top four guys of Bellinger, Snell, Montgomery or Chapman. Um, but also, like, this is also why the, these top five that are left are so interesting because you can be very concerned about all of them, right? There is a version where fans are going to be extreme. I mean, I guess Jordan Montgomery, I'm trying to imagine where, like, a, what fan base would be, like, upset about signing Jordan Montgomery. Like, that seems maybe a bit strong. But I also can see a situation where he ends up getting some like 180 million. I, that seems crazy. 150 million or something. I'm not going to bet against Boris, right? And it's like, okay, like he's he's pretty good, but is he, is he that good? I mean, I can I can imagine being underwhelmed. The other guys, I can imagine team fans being like concerned, like worried, right? We know Bellinger, we know Chapman. They are totally risky for totally different reasons. 
and then hater everything we said. And then Snell comes with all the risk in the world. So listen, I still like all these players and I think they will make these teams better. And we have to always remember that no team is signing any of these guys for what they're going to be in 2027. That's not free agency. That's not the point. So you can, if you, if your first thought is, Oh, how's that going to age? That's just not how you end up signing the player. So while that is a fair point, it is not one that teams are going to consider if they want to actually get these guys on their teams. That high-risk quartet of Hader, Snell, Bellinger, Chapman, mm-hmm. all four of them make your favorite baseball team better in 2024 than they are right now, right? That's a fact. Yeah. And they come with considerable downside but they are still all of the major league starters at worst. Yes. Even when Cody Bellinger was a pumpkin, swinging and missing at everything under the sun, he was still a good enough defensive center fielder that the Dodgers, a smart, intelligent baseball team, were still running him out there and he was still providing some semblance of value. Chapman's glove is so superb at third base that if he goes out and has a 100 OPS plus, that's a great player. I don't know anything about relievers, so Josh Hader is kind of his own thing. And then Blake (laughs) Snell, like even bad Blake Snell, as unwatchable as it is, it's a 4-2, a 4-3. It's not necessarily like a total catastrophe. And so I do think that the narrative around those players has been like high risk, like let's raise our eyebrows. That's a lot of money. What are we going to do in 2031 when the earth gets melty? Like, right. no, like these guys make your teams better right away. Yes. All of which is to say, though, I do feel like this is going to drag into. I think we're, we're I think Boris is going to be holding out here. I mean, I, I would love to be wrong. I mean, we'll see how many moves I miss uh, on my honeymoon uh, next week. We'll, we'll get to that later. But like, I do think that this is I mean, again, compare this to before we get to some of the moves that we have seen. Last year, okay, I went back and looked at the MLB Trade Rumors Top 50 Free Agents. Last year by New Year's, how many of the top 50 do you think had signed? Okay, now again, last year is is quite active. Of the top 50 MLB Trade Rumors Free Agents, how many had signed before New Year's? Okay, so basically right where we're at, and maybe we're recording this, you know, on Friday morning. Maybe we get a couple last minute more before New Year's. But before we get to how many this year, which we know it's not many, how many do you think last year? 20. 40, 40 of the 50 last year had signed by last year. Okay. This year we are at 18 after Mitch Garver and uh, yeah, Yamamoto, who was just went official. Okay. Now last year was about as high as you'll see having tracked this for the last 10 years. And this year is about as low as close to as low as you'll see. We've kind of experienced both extremes already. So is this that unusual? Yes, but it is a reminder of how much more more work we have to do, let alone the trades, right? We didn't mention Glass now, but like we've saw so many trades that we have not seen that we expect to happen at some point. But the glacial pace is simple, right? We had those big dominoes, and we've talked to people around the league who are like, you know, our pitchers are not going to that second level of pitcher. A lot of them are not going to sign until Yamamoto goes off the board, right? And a lot of these second level hitters are not going to sign until Bellinger comes off the board. Right. Because there's just that's part of the problem. So I think that's a good reason why it's been so methodical. Um, One free agent that I want to talk about Mm -hmm. is Joseph Daniel Votto, who for the first time is dipping his toe in the mysterious waters of the free market. 
and he does not seem to be having a good time. Yeah, I mean, as as everything with Joey, who has become much more public <laughs> facing, um, the way that he talks, and I've talked about this, I've seen him up close, like, he is a very earnest person. He's always being very honest, but also on social media, the dude's telling a lot of jokes. And he sent out a tweet on Thursday, which even if you read it as a joke, is very funny and also very real. <laughs> he tweeted the following. Being a free agent is like that scene from Gravity where Sandra Bullock detaches from the Explorer. You're all alone. No one is answering your calls and you don't know if you'll get back to base. Your only hope is George Clooney saving you. Save me, George. <laughs> so uh, first things first, as we've mentioned many times on this uh podcast jake we don't watch we don't watch a lot of movies have you seen gravity no but i've experienced it (laughs) okay same same but again joey's helping us out here i think we we get what he's we get what he's getting at i don't think i have to have seen gravity to like totally understand what he's referring to but if i'm wrong you know i apologize for misinterpreting the tweet but i'm reading this to say it is a reminder of and i will say having talked to people in baseball who have been free agents it is oftentimes you are kind of sitting around waiting you you we like to imagine that every day free agents wake up and get on the phone with 20 teams but that's really not the case and if you're Joey Votto and respectfully you are probably not a top priority for teams at this moment and there are so many other hitters and players still available out there that teams are sorting through I wouldn't be surprised if he's being pretty honest here and he hasn't heard a whole lot so far. I have to say, though, this tweet makes it sound like he's representing himself in court. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. He, his agent, I believe, is Dan Lozano of MVP yeah. Sports Group, who represents mm-hmm. Manny Machado mm-hmm. and like Luis Arise and like a number yeah. of other very good baseball players. Yeah, and MVP Sports Group, of course, has a bunch. I, although I was super curious about this because Dan, of course, Daniel Zander, whoever, maybe it's Dan, maybe it's someone else, the MVP, whatever. You know, as you mentioned, it's not just Joey Votto's first time free agency. It's, it's his agent with Joey Votto's first time free agency. And so it's also kind of new territory for them. And I, that just makes it fascinating. I, I don't I don't know. But to your point, yeah, I mean, we know that the agents are the ones making the direct communication. Of course, sometimes they'll arrange meetings between the actual player and the team and the front office and coaches and whatever. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he hasn't hold, heard a whole lot by now. Um, and I hope that changes because I, I want Joey Votto to play in 2024 somewhere. That is the goal. That is the dream. And if he can't find anywhere, he can join Greg Bird here down under. <laughs> yeah, maybe he can he can get down there in the next uh, couple weeks. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to start running through some of the moves that have happened. Mitch Garver is a Mariner. Kevin Kiermaier back in Toronto. And IKF got a multi-year deal. Question mark, question mark, question mark. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball barbercast themed beanie or bucket hat, or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well you can stop looking and start buying because they are all available right now just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com slash baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G dot com slash baseball. And welcome back to Baseball Barbercast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. Before we get into some of the moves 
that were made while I was gallivanting in a foreign country. We do have a notable update in the Wander Franco situation. So Wander Franco, superstar shortstop for the Tampa Rays. They signed W8. Enormous extension. One of the most promising young players in baseball. Did not play a game uh, after early August after allegations that he had inappropriate relationships with multiple underaged uh, girls in the Dominican Republic. Now, the update is that Wander was scheduled to appear for questioning on December 27th in the Dominican Republic, and uh, Wander did not do that. He did not show up. He uh, Maybe he had something to do. Maybe it was a conflict, uh, but probably not because he also uh, – there were reports that he has dismissed his entire legal team. Uh, yeah. I am not a, an expert in the law uh, or Dominican law. However, I would say that dismissing your entire legal team and not showing up to court uh, is not a sign that things are going well for your camp. No, no. And I would say that as we have kind of waited to know what was going to happen next, as the Rays have certainly been quick to start to distance distance themselves uh, from Franco amidst this investigation, uh, this update, while we are still waiting for more information, and presumably we will hear from him at some point, or here he will have to address someone at some point, uh, this is not a promising development by any stretch. And uh, yeah, it's just extremely upsetting on many levels, and right. we will continue to track it as it uh, as it unfolds. But as we've kind of hinted at over the past few months, like we're not expecting to see this dude in Major League Baseball anytime soon. And this news confirms that. Or can like only supports those suspicions. So just something to keep an eye on. We don't expect there to be any more news of that before the new year. All right. Mitch Garver is like the most Australian name in baseball. And so it was a true. Right. Yeah. Like like I could. He he should totally just be on the Brisbane heat. Yeah. Mitch Garver. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Mitch. Mitch Mitch Garver uh, for six. He can, yeah, man. Talk about he's he is a reliable producer uh, of six of boundaries, as they say, down there in the KFC Big Bash League. Uh, Mitch Garber's on the Mariners now, Jake. Uh, I am wearing my my new Mariners City Connect hat that I got for Christmas. Uh, shouts out to my lovely in laws for that. And and again, Mariners haven't be given me a lot to be excited about or reasons to want to <laughs> be like, hey, I'm a Mariners fan. That has not happened very often um, this winter. But they dumped a bunch of salary in fairly embarrassing fashion. And we knew that they had to do something with that money. And we didn't know what it was going to be. But they weren't the going to give it to us. It, say that again? Sorry. They weren't, gonna, they weren't going to give that money to us. No, no. We knew, we knew that money wasn't going to us. We knew it was going to go. It was going to be used on some number of baseball players, likely hitters, guys who could hit the ball. Uh, guys who could who could produce boundaries in Major League Baseball uh, in every sense of the word. And Mitch Garver um, was quietly one of the best options on the free agent market to do just that. And for the Mariners to sign him for two years and $24 million to basically be their everyday DH is kind of awesome. It's really not that complicated. I mean, there are questions with Mitch Garver which is the fact that he has been injured essentially every year of his major league career. Uh, he was pretty healthy in the minor leagues, but since he you know arrived in the big leagues in I believe 2018 or 17, 
came up with Minnesota. Of course, he's been kind of a part-time catcher, first base DH. Uh, he's just been hurt a lot and hasn't played a ton of games. But when he has played, the dude has hit. And he has not just hit in a way that it's just like, oh, he's hit a bunch of home runs. It is real, a real approach, excellent, near elite, you know, chase rate, not chasing out of the strike zone, draws a lot of walks, strikes out a good amount, but real power crushes lefties. And he's just a really well above average major league hitter. Here is a list of everyday Mariners players from 2023 with a higher OPS plus than Mitch Garver. All right. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, that's who that's who did that. Now, I know Mitch Garver only played in 87 games, but to your point, like he would have been the best hitter on a rate basis than anybody uh, on Seattle last year. And that's kind of what you're buying. And the Mariners have played this pretend game over the last few years. And they're not the only franchise that says, oh, we're going to rotate. You know, even though we literally have this position that is designated to just hit, we're going to rotate guys through and get guys off days and all those things, right? They had motherfucking Tommy LaStella as the opening day DH last year, okay? And they were not about to have that happen again. And so Mitch Garver comes in. It doesn't seem like he's really going to catch very much. And I think that's the bet, right? You're basically hoping if we can have him catch 20 games at the most, we can hopefully have him in the lineup for closer to 120, 130 games you know, the 90 and it immediately makes this lineup look a lot better. They still have absolute work to do because this outfield is still a massive question mark after trading away Jared Kelnick, but it is a, it is a nice start. And to see them hand out a multi-year deal for a hitter is, is really nice and, and, and refreshing and simple. It's very simple. Who has a higher OPS plus next year, him or Otani? Um, I'm going to go with Shohei. Uh, okay. Mr. Otani. I I have to ask the question. Yeah, yeah. Although the other uh, funny thing about Garver, which you may have missed that people pointed out, um, I'm not worried about this, but it is objectively funny because, again, it's just how the Mariners operate. Mitch Garver career in T-Mobile Park, 0 for 31. is <laughs> <laughs> the the most uh, played appearances without a hit of any non-pitcher in an, in a single ballpark of any active player. Now, again, you know, Mariners pitching has been pretty good, so – that 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 doesn't help, uh, but just hilarious stuff. You know, sign the guy that's that is hitless in five years and come into your stadium. So that's that's very funny. Maybe they'll just platoon him on the road. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, hoping we don't get you know an O for three hundred and one uh, during his first year in Seattle. So very happy uh, about that. And um, and yeah, you know Mitch Carver. He's uh, just and not just because I'm friends with him on Xbox Live. I just want to be very clear. That's not the bias. It's really just the fact that I think he's good at hitting baseball. So for that, I am thankful. Mitch Garver, welcome to Seattle. Let's talk about the Blue Jays, Jake Mintz. They made a couple moves. Some moves that uh, would have, I don't know how much they really surprised. Uh, one of them more than the other. They bring back Kevin Kiermeyer for a year uh, and $10.5 million. And they signed one of my- IKF, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, for two years and $15 million. Who do you want to start with here? You know, Kiermaier is one of my favorite players in baseball. Oh, yeah. I love Kevin Kiermaier. I think he is obsessive about something, uh, outfield defense, that is very unique in a way that no one else is. And I love watching him play center field, and I love watching him think about how he plays center field. And his offensive season last year was the best of his career. Do I think he'll do that again? Uh, No, I don't. 
I think <laughs> that he is still one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball, and that's enough for me. Now, it does not, in my opinion, make me feel too much better about the Toronto Blue Jays because they really are missing and one more offensive stick that Isaiah Kiner Falefa is not going to give him. And to your point about Kiermaier, like, okay, do I think he's going to, and he wasn't, I mean, he cooled off in the second half, but it was still, you know, he was an above average hitter, which he hasn't been that many times um, as a, as a major league outfielder. I mean, I was, I know he's, you know, entering his 34th season. I was kind of surprised he couldn't do more than this. Although based on the way that he was talking about uh, after he signed, like it sounds like he just really loved Toronto. And when they gave him an offer that he felt good about, he was like, let's do it. Now, does that mean that they're totally out on Bellinger? I don't think so, but you know, it's certainly a harder to see the fit, but they still, to your point, like they, I mean, they're still having to replace Chapman and Belt at the very least. Right. So there's still parts of this lineup that we should feel exciting about, but because they were so underwhelming, this past year with Vlad and Bo and Springer, like we're not feeling that excitement in the same way that we should for a team with those core pieces. So I agree. They definitely still have more work to do, but the IKM piece is even more interesting because I can understand like I, first of all, he was like quietly fine this past year. Like I know he became a punchline for, for, for good reason at, at times in New York, but like and he's, Steven, he's fine. And mostly because Stephen A went on TV a year after IKF was terrible and dunked on him on first yes. take because Stephen A knows nothing about baseball. Yes. And it was like, okay. Uh, and, and look, I know the OPS plus wasn't any better, but like he is a useful player to have on your team. However, when you look at the Blue Jays lineup or the roster and you're like, this is not something that they would appear to need, but kind of following up and, and reading some, some Blue Jays fans who follow the team closer, it seems like they're kind of done with Santiago Espinal particularly defensively and his offense is not really much to, I mean, he hasn't done anything since the first half that he became an all-star weirdly uh, a couple years ago. At this point, it just seems like they had a mess of guys coming off the bench last year that were just not very good. And they think IKF can be at least that, if not better, and clearly a better defender at multiple spots in that sense. That makes sense. However, Santiago Espinal, the guy that they have tweeted, the Blue Jays account has called him Santiago Goat. Dozens of times over the last few years. I have not seen a lot of Santiago tweets. If they DFA him or trade him, I'm very excited to see if they like refer to him as Santiago. As like a thank you to Santiago. Santiago. We just traded for an A-ball pitcher. I'm like, how much of a goat can he really be if we're trading Is- for an A-ball pitcher? <laughs> Isaiah Kiner Falef goat. <laughs> they might force it if they're going to force Santiago. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past. But hey, I'm ha- I'm happy for IKF for the dude to get shit on that much. And obviously, we make all the jokes. He's going to hit a huge homer against the Yankees. I'm sure that'll happen. Oh. That'll be great. Um, so well, that's what I was going to say. Is it yeah. gives him the opportunity for that being in that division yeah. where he gets to yeah. go to New York twice. Does he get he, booed or cheered there? Do you think? Well, it's. <laughs> It's funny you say that. Booed. He has to get booed. He has to get. Booed. He has to get booed. But but to that point, you you saw it up close, like. I don't know how much you talked to him, but like he seemed to handle it about as well as you possibly could. He never made excuses. He net like he was just like he he kind of ate it the whole time. He understood like how much the the pressure was going to be on it, but it was completely unfair. It was completely unfair that that he was brought in for all these different circumstantial uh, reasons. So that said, as for what he means for Toronto, like fine, a little strange considering the the rest of the roster. There have to be more moves coming for them. They need they absolutely need. Uh, some more, some more offense. 
Um, we just talked about Kevin Kamara. Let's talk about Martin Maldonado, another player that I know has um, has <laughs> kind of struck your interest over the years as his career in Houston has evolved into a kind of a fascinating level of discourse about what catchers mean and why catchers are different than all of the other players. And while he descended to becoming one of the worst hitters in Major League Baseball, Dusty Baker said, I don't care. He is still the most important person in the lineup every day for me because he is guiding this pitching staff in all these ways. And even though they had this alternative in Yanner Diaz, Dusty Baker said, I don't care. And as soon as Dusty Baker retired, the Astros said, no more Martin Maldonado. Yanner Diaz, the first thing the Astros said this offseason was we are done with Martin Maldonado. It is time for Yanner Diaz. So long, Dusty. So long, Maldi. And now Martin Maldonado goes to the White Sox where he will be playing a very similar yet different role for a team that will be losing so much more than he has over the last uh, four or five years with Houston. What makes Maldonado different and interesting as a defensive wizard is that his numbers suck. So like his (laughs) framing numbers are not good. Correct. Framing numbers horrible. Not even controlling the running game anymore. In the same way that he was. Yeah, he's just, people love hanging out with him and pigeon to him. And and maybe that is enough. Who the fuck knows? But in, in yeah. Chicago, his job is going to be to whisper to, the, what the White Sox are going to do this year, and they've already started this, is they're going to bring in any former anything on the mound, and they're going to hope that it sticks. And Maldonado's job is to whisper to those people, like, isn't Davey Garcia there? I, I don't know if Davies – I mean, again, by the end of last year, they were – obviously, they had our friend Brent Honeywell. They had – they got Tukey was there. They got Patino, who was there and then gone. Uh, yeah, Davey, Davey's still with uh, – Davey Garcia is still with the White Sox. Um, so that's one. And, and you know, they're bringing – again, they're going to have a bunch more young pitchers. And if they trade Cease, they're going to be calling up guys all the time. They have Soroka that they're going to be trying to, you know, get back on track. All of these guys, it'll be Martin Maldonado's job to teach them how to get outs. And for one year, $4 million, and Martin Maldonado, who still wants to be a Major League Baseball player, he knows the role. He knows the gig. And I love that there's a vesting option for 2025. Normally, that's based on playing time or production or, or you know, how many home runs. you. I hope that the vesting option has not been reported is entirely based on the pitcher's ERAs. <laughs> it should have zero to do with Martin Maldonado's playing time. I don't know if this is even if there's any precedent for this whatsoever, but I would love to see that. I would absolutely love to see that. Um, and yeah, I uh, Hannah Kaiser wrote a great uh, piece at Yahoo about Martin Maldonado uh, earlier this year that I highly recommend checking out because there's just some great, there's some incredible dusty quotes from about him and just in general like he is in his own category but now he'll be doing it uh in a very very different place um so i'm excited about that one that'll be that'll be cool all the white Sox pitchers are like damn no fucking around this year <laughs> like he martin maldonado even if they're gonna lose he's not gonna be taking anybody's shit well we've heard from pitchers on bad teams who've been like please sign austin hedges for us <laughs> it's the same thing yep yep uh, all right, a couple, I mean, you know, we had some reliever moves. We got Shelby Miller, who was like sneaky awesome with the Dodgers. Buck Farmer back with the Reds. Tim Hill, who, I mean, Tim Hill, I feel like Tim Hill got kind of toy storied in San Diego where Tom Cosgrove came up and the Padres were like, eh, this is, I like this weird funky lefty more. Sorry, Tim Hill. Okay, you're non-tendered. <laughs> it, it was fun while it lasted. Go, we'll, we'll enjoy, you know, he, he had a great story. San Diego guy has, has a career and, 
had bad BABIP luck. He sends off. Now he goes to, to the White Sox to replace Aaron Bummer. Sent off to Andy Green's room. Exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, so that was an interesting one. And then the, the other Padres move, which we I guess we touched on super briefly, but them signing a Japanese left-hander, Yuki Matsui, uh, to a five-year deal. A five-year deal for a reliever is you don't ever see that unless it's apparently the Padres and the guys coming from NPB as they gave Robert Suarez five years last year, and that was immediately a catastrophe. But uh, I think the Matsui deal is, is really smart. I mean, lower the AAV. They clearly are going to need as many innings as possible. Um, kind of a nice, a nice little little gamble on, a, on, a, on a, an interesting arm. He's a five foot seven left hander throwing ninety two, but has been one of the most dominant NPB relievers over the last ten years. So that that's a fun mix. I don't expect him to close, but if he does, like that'd be that'd be awesome. He's going to be a really fun uh, pitcher to watch along with uh, Tom Cosgrove and Drelton Simmons hanging yes. them up. Maybe he'll get the shot now. Uh, he and Jordan Simmons was a wonderful thing to watch play baseball. Yes. Just yes. a fantastic defensive shortstop in a way that was new. It was like, I have the best arm you've ever seen, and that's going to let me do things that you've never watched before. When we started getting into the game, he was the gold standard. Yeah. And it was interesting because... His athleticism, I mean, yes, it was an 80 arm. You know, some teams drafted him at junior college as a pitcher. He's up to 98. But it was it was the ways that he would, I mean, it's weird. It was like an interesting kind of athleticism. It was a combination of instincts and just the movements and everything that it did. It wasn't that he was so fast, right? Like Trey Turner, some of it is some of the time, and I know he's not a great defensive shortstop, but some of his best plays are because he could just move around really quickly. Simmons was just so instinctual and so un- just never, never, never wrong. Always was moving in both directions and he was perfectly in sync. All of his motions were just perfectly, perfectly, perfectly in sync. So, I mean, he's one of the greatest defensive shortstops we've ever seen. And also like not that bad of a hitter uh, at times. So I, I, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a really interesting and unique career. And uh, he will be remembered as one of the greatest defensive shortstops of all time. I mean, only one, only four gold gloves, but I, no one doubted. Like everyone who played with him or watched him, and, and and the advanced stats also back it up. I mean, he had three seasons of four defensive WAR, which is just not. I think he's the only player ever to do that. I think it's like him and Mark Belanger. So it's just he's one of a kind, and uh, definitely a career I will I will always always remember. So. Cheers to you, Anderson Simmons. Enjoy your retirement. Uh, all right, Jake. I think that's uh, I think that's it. Any uh, any final final thoughts? Um, we got we got again next week. We have some interesting. You, you want to tease what we have coming up uh, next week? <laughs> yeah, I'm amped. It's we've for a long time have wanted to do the experiment of what does someone who knows nothing about baseball think about baseball. And let's just say, I'll tease this, we found the perfect person. And we recorded a very long episode that will drop on New Year's Day that is spectacular and fabulous and will make you forget and relearn and appreciate everything you know about this stupid sport. Yes. So you can look forward to that pre-record on Monday. We got another very special pre-record coming next Friday. I will be back on Wednesday with a special guest host. So stay tuned for that. Uh, But until then, everyone, uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the new year. And uh, thank you, Jake Mintz, for recording uh, this with me from the other side of the world. Thank you to Isabella Josen for producing. And we will talk to you all 
fine folks and wonderful listeners in the new year 2024. Goodbye. Serious XM Podcasts.